Hello again, it's Nana here. Today I'm in the log house and it's lovely and quiet. So this is a perfect day to read some more chapters from the from the book, The Adventures of Danny Meadowmouse. It's been a long time since I posted a new episode, so I'm glad that you are here to listen to the story. So let's begin. Chapter 12. The Old Briar Patch Has a New Tenant. Danny Meadowmouse slowly opened his eyes and then closed them again quickly, as if afraid to look around. He could hear someone talking. It was a pleasant voice, not at all like the terrible voice of Hooty the Owl, which was the very last thing that Danny Meadowmouse could remember. Danny lay still a minute and listened. Why, Danny Meadowmouse, where in the world did you drop from? asked the voice. It sounded like what? Very much like Peter Rabbit speaking. Danny opened his eyes again. Ha! It was Peter Rabbit. Where, where am I? asked Danny Meadowmouse in a very weak and small voice. In the middle of the dear old briar patch with me, replied Peter Rabbit. But how did you get here? You seem to drop right out of the sky. Oh, Danny Meadowmouse shuddered. Suddenly he remembered everything. How Hooty the Owl had caught him in great cruel claws and carried him through the moonlight across those snow-covered green meadows. How he had felt Hooty's claws slip and then had struggled and kicked and twisted and turned until his coat had torn and he had dropped down, down, down until he had landed in the soft snow and knocked all the breath out of his little body. The very last thing he could remember was Hootie's fierce scream of rage and disappointment. Ooh, Danny shuddered again. Then a new thought came to him. He must get out of sight. Hootie might catch him again. Danny tried to scramble to his feet. Oh, out! Oh! groaned Danny and lay still again. There, there, keep still, Danny Meadow Mouse. There's nothing to be afraid of here, said Peter Rabbit gently. His big eyes filled with tears as he looked at Danny Meadow Mouse, for Danny was all torn and hurt by the cruel claws of Hooty the Owl, and you know Peter has a very tender heart. So Danny lay still, and while Peter Rabbit tried to make him comfortable and dress his hurts, he told Peter all about how he had forgotten to watch up in the sky and so had been caught by Hooty the Owl and all about his terrible ride in Hooty's cruel claws. Oh, dear, whatever shall I do now, he ended. However shall I get back home to my warm house of grass, my safe little tunnels under the snow and my little store of seeds in the snug hollow in the old fence post. Peter Rabbit looked thoughtful. You can't do it, said he. You simply can't do it. It is such a long way for a little fellow like you that it wouldn't be safe to try. If you went at night, Hooty the Owl might catch you again, and 
If you tried in daylight, old Roughleg the Hawk might be almost sure to see you. In day or night, old Granny Fox or Reddy Fox might come snooping around, and if they did, they would be sure to catch you. I tell you what, you stay right here. The dear old Briar Patch is the safest place in the world. Why, just think, here you can come out in broad daylight and laugh at Granny and Reddy Fox and at old Roughleg the Hawk because the good old brambles will keep them out if they try to get you. You can make just as good tunnels under the snow here as you had there, and there are lots and lots of seeds on the ground to eat. You know I don't care for them myself. I'm, I'm lonesome sometimes living here all alone. You stay here and we'll have the old briar patch to ourselves. Danny Meadow Mouse looked at Peter gratefully. I will. Oh, and thank you ever so much, Peter Rabbit, he said. And this is how the dear old briar patch happened to have another tenant. Chapter 13. Peter Rabbit Visits the Peach Orchard. Don't go, Peter Rabbit, don't go, begged Danny Meadow Mouse. Peter hopped to the edge of the old briar patch and looked over the moonlit, snow-covered meadows to the hill back of Farmer Brown's house. On that hill was the young peach orchard of which Tommy Tit the Chickadee had told him, and ever since, Peter's mouth had watered and watered every time he thought of those young peach trees and the tender bark on them. I think I will, Danny, just this once, said Peter. It's a long way and I've never been there before, but I guess it's just as safe as the meadows or the green forest. Oh, oh, I'm as bold as bold can be. Sing hippity hoppity hoppo. I'll hie me forth the world to see. Sing hippity hoppity hoppo. My ears are long, my legs are strong. So now good day, I'll hie away. Hippity hoppity hoppo. And with that, Peter Rabbit left the dear safe old briar patch and away he went, lippity-lippity-lip, across the green meadows towards the hill and the young orchard back of Farmer Brown's house. Danny Meadow Mouse watched him go and shook his head in disapproval. Foolish, 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 he said over and over to himself. Why can't Peter be content with the good things he has? Peter Rabbit hurried along through the moonlight, stopping every few minutes to sit up and look and listen. He heard the fierce hunting call of Hooty the Owl way over in the green forest, so he felt sure that at present there was nothing to fear from him. He knew that since their return to the green meadows and the green forest, Granny and Reddy Fox had kept away from Farmer Brown's, so he did not worry about them. All in good time, Peter came to the young orchard. It was just as Tommy Tit the Chickadee had told him. 
Peter hopped up to the nearest peach tree and nibbled the bark. Oh, my, how good it tasted. He went all around the tree, stripping off the bark. He stood up in his long hind legs and reached as high as he could. Then he dug the snow away and ate down as far as he could. When he could get no more tender young bark, he went to the next tree. Now, though Peter didn't know it, he was in the very worst kind of mischief. You see, when he took off all the bark all the way around a young peach tree, he killed the tree. For you know, it is on the inside of the bark that the sap, which gives life to a tree and makes it grow, comes up from the roots to all the branches. So when Peter ate the bark all the way around the trunk, he made it impossible for the sap to come up in the spring. Oh, it was the very worst kind of mischief Peter Rabbit was in. But Peter didn't know it, and he kept right on filling that big stomach of his and enjoying it so much he forgot to watch out for danger. Suddenly, just as he had begun on another tree, a great roar right behind him made him jump almost out of his skin. He knew that voice, and without waiting to even look behind him, he started for the stone wall on the other side of the orchard. Right at his heels, his great mouth wide open, was Bowser the Hound. Well, we can't stop there, can we? No. We need to read chapter 14. Farmer Brown sets a trap. Oh, Peter Rabbit was in trouble. He had gotten into mischief, and now, like everyone who gets into mischief, he wishin wished he hadn't. The worst of it was that he was a long way from his home in the dear old briar patch, and he didn't know how he ever could get back there again. Where was he? Why, in the stone wall on one side of Farmer Brown's young peach orchard. How Peter blessed the old stone wall in which he had found a safe hiding place. Bowser had hung around nearly all night so that Peter had not dared to try to go home. Now it was daylight and Peter knew it would not be safe to put his nose outside. Peter was worried, so worried that he couldn't go to sleep as he usually does in the daytime. So he sat hidden in the old wall and waited and watched. By and by, he saw Farmer Brown and Farmer Brown's boy come out into the orchard. Right away, they saw the mischief which Peter had done, and he could tell by the sound of their voices that they were very, very angry. They went away, and before long they were back again. And all day, Peter watched them work, putting something around each of the young peach trees. Peter grew so curious that he forgot all about his troubles and how far away from home he was. He could hardly wait for night to come, so he might see what they had been doing. Just as jolly, round, red Mr. Sun started to go to bed behind the purple hills, Farmer Brown and his boy started back to the house. 
Farmer Brown was smiling now. I guess that that will fix him, he said. Now, what does he mean by that? thought Peter. Who will fix it? Can it be me? I don't need fixing. <laughs> he waited just as long as he could. When all was still and the moonlight had begun to make shadows of the trees on the snow, Peter very cautiously crept out of his hiding place. Bowser the Hound was nowhere in sight, and everything was as quiet and peaceful as it had been when he first came into the orchard the night before. Peter had fully made up his mind to go straight home as fast as his long legs would take him, but his dreadful curiosity insisted that first he must find out what Pe Farmer Brown and his boy had been doing to the young peach trees. So Peter hurried over to the nearest tree. All around the trunk of the tree, from the ground clear up higher than Peter could reach, was a wrapped wire netting. Peter couldn't get so much as a nibble of the delicious bark. He hadn't intended to take any, for he had meant to go straight home. But now that he couldn't get any, he wanted some more than ever. Just a bite. Peter looked around. Everything was quiet. He would try the next tree, and then he would go home. But the next tree was wrapped with wire. Peter hesitated, looked around, turned to go home, thought of how good that bark had tasted the night before, hesitated again, and then hurried over to the third tree. It was protected, just like the others. Then Peter forgot all about going home. He wanted some of that delicious bark, and he ran from one tree to another as fast as he could go. At last, all the way down at the end of the orchard, Peter found a tree that had no wire around it. They must have forgotten this one, he thought, and his eyes sparkled. All around in the snow were a lot of little shiny wires, but Peter didn't notice them. All he saw was that delicious bark on the young peach tree. He hopped right into the middle of the wires, and then just as he reached up to take the first bite of bark, he felt something tugging at one of his hind legs. Oh my goodness, I wonder what that is. Well, let's read chapter 15, and we will find out. Peter Rabbit is caught in a snare. When Peter Rabbit, reaching up to nibble the bark of one of Farmer Brown's young trees, felt something tugging at one of his hind legs, he was so startled that he jumped to get away. Instead of doing this, he fell flat on his face. The thing on his hind leg had tightened and held him fast. A great fear came to Peter Rabbit, and lying there in the snow, he kicked and struggled with all his might. But the more he kicked, the tighter grew that hateful thing on his leg. Finally, he grew too tired to kick any more and lay still. The dreadful thing that held him hurt his leg, but it didn't pull when he lay still. When he had grown 
little calmer, Peter sat up to examine the thing which held him so fast. It was something like one of the blackberry vines he had sometimes tripped over, only it was bright and shiny and had no branches or tiny pickers, prickers, and one end was fastened to a stake. Peter tried to bite off the shiny thing, but even his great sharp front teeth couldn't cut it. Then Peter knew what it was. It was a wire. It was a snare which Farmer Brown had set to catch him and which he had walked into because he had been so greedy for the bark of the young peach tree that he had not used his eyes to look out for danger. Oh, how Peter Rabbit did wish that he had not been so curious to know what Farmer Brown had been doing that day and that he had gone straight home as he had meant to do instead of trying to get one more meal of young peach bark. Big tears rolled down Peter's cheeks. What should he do? What could he do? For a long time, Peter sat in the moonlight, trying to think of something to do. At last, he thought of the stake to which that hateful wire was fastened. The stake was of wood. Hmm, and Peter's teeth would cut wood. Peter's heart gave a big leap of hope, and he began at once to dig away the snow from around the stake and then settled himself to gnaw the stake in two. Peter had been hard at work on the stake a long time and had it a little more than half cut through when he heard a loud sniff down at the other end of the orchard. He looked up to see who do you think? Oh, why, Bowser the Hound. Bowser hadn't seen Peter yet, but he had already found Bowser's, Peter's tracks, and it wouldn't be but a few minutes before he found Peter himself. Oh, poor Peter Rabbit. There wasn't time to finish cutting off the stake. What could he do? He made a frightened jump, just as he had when he first felt the wire tugging at his leg. Just as before, he was thrown flat on his face. He scrambled to his feet and jumped again, only to be thrown just as before. Just then, Bowser the Hound saw him, and opening his mouth, set, for a, set forth a great roar. Peter made one more frantic jump. Snap! The, snake had, the stake had broken. Peter pitched, forwards on, pitched forward on his head, turned a somersault, and scrambled to his feet. He was free at last. That is, he could run, but after him dragged a piece of the stake. Oh, how Peter did run. It was hard work, for you know he had to drag that piece of stake after him. But he did it, and just in time, he crawled into the old stone wall on one side of the orchard, while Bowser the Hound barked his disappointment to the moon. So Peter Rabbit is safe. Bye-bye for now.